بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so Alhamdulillah it is by the great favor and blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that once again we're able to gather here in the masjid you know in a beautiful time in the blessed month of Ramadan after praying our taraweeh you know preparing ourselves to prepare qiyam to get ready for another day of fasting this is all truly from the mercy and from the bounties and the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for that we say Alhamdulillah all praise and all thanks belongs to Allah azza wa jal and it's important for us to realize that in this month of Ramadan that we're in and these eight days that have passed by us, that have gone by so quickly that subhanAllah just goes to show that how our life will also pass by this fast as well. That eight days have flown by and subhanAllah it's important for us to reflect upon what we have made out of these eight days. And it's important for us just as we did last week that before we begin we make this intention that we will not let tonight go to waste. Because every single night in the month of Ramadan is a night and an opportunity to attain the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be saved from the hellfire, and to attain the mercy of Allah azza wa jal. As we know from the famous hadith, the ones that we heard in the beginning of Ramadan, throughout Ramadan, as we led our way up to Ramadan, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in which he told us, Whosoever fast the month of Ramadan, Seeking its reward, seeking the forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with iman, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive all of his previous sins. And man qama Ramadanan, man qama Laylatul Qadr, whosoever stands in the month of Ramadan, iman and wahtisaban, same thing with iman, seeking the forgiveness, seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ghufira lahumma taqaddama min tanbi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive every single sin of his, in his past. And so realize and, and understand that we've done both of these things so far. All of us, I'm sure, have fasted today, have fasted the last week or so. All of us probably prayed 20 rak'ahs, 8 rak'ahs, whatever we did, and we still have the intention to pray more tonight. So we're amongst those people, and we make dua that we're amongst those people who will have their sins forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it's very easy for us, especially when we come to these halaqats, you know, that we, sometimes we do let our time go to waste, unfortunately. Now us being here also is, is a factor, is, a, is something that shows that alhamdulillah, Allah has shown us a, a great blessing from him. And what is that blessing is that, that we have been given the opportunity to excel and to do more good deeds beyond what has been required of us in this month of Ramadan. What has been required of us in this month of Ramadan is that we fast. Ya amanu kama The famous ayah we all have heard by now, all you who believe fasting has been prescribed upon you just as it was prescribed upon those before you. So that you may attain taqwa. And we'll come to this taqwa, inshallah ta'ala, a little bit later on. But the scholars, they say that, how do you know, how should a person know if their fasts are being accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And one of the shiyukh, he brought the ayah as a proof. And he said, That those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides, He will increase them in guidance. And He will give them their taqwa. He will give them the righteousness, righteousness that they have earned, that they have been seeking, that they have sought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So often we find ourselves, for example, in the month of Ramadan, after we have completed our fast, we are able to do more good. 
we are able to go to the masjid, we are able to come to a halaqa, we are able to stand in qiyam. This is a sign that our fast has been accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He has given us the tawfiq, the ability to do more beyond our fasting. And often, many times, you find people, they just do what we can call the bare minimum. They just complete their fast, but they don't even go to Isha, they don't even pray their maghrib. They break their fast in a way where the only thing that they are fulfilling is their hunger and their thirst. The only thing that they are worried about is quenching their thirst, about eating something, that the time has come in. They're following the clock more than they are following the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is sometimes, we find ourselves in the state that we go through an entire day of fasting, we have done what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do, but we don't have that eagerness to do more. And this is not to say that if somebody is doing that, that means their fast is not accepted. No, rather this is to say that first and foremost, we should have every other deed that we do. And as important it is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask for acceptance of those deeds, right? As the, when Prophet Ibrahim salam and Hassan Ismail, when they built the Kaaba, what was one of the du'as that they made? رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا Oh Allah, accept from us. So this is from the mannerisms, from the good things that we should be doing anytime we do a good deed, whether it's fasting, whether it's um, reciting Quran or Salah. And we talked about this in the past as well, about the importance of having sincere intentions, of doing things in the excellent, in the most, in the best manner, and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for acceptance. And so realizing that us being here is a blessing, that we're able to be here is a sign that inshallah Allah has accepted our fast and has allowed us to increase ourselves in doing good and doing more in these days and nights of Ramadan. And that's why I started by telling ourselves that we should make this intention not to let this night go to waste. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he said that, he said something very interesting. He said that wasting time is more dangerous than death. He said wasting time is more dangerous than death. And people, they would ask him, why is that? You know, this is something I'm sure all of us, we have this fear or this notion, this thought of death that is probably the worst thing that a person can fear, that a person can, ha that can happen to them. They lose their life. So why is wasting time more dangerous than death? And he beautifully explained, he said that when you waste time, you are disconnecting yourself from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you busy yourself by killing time, wasting time, by doing things that, you know, simply they just fill up the time. You know, watching a certain show or you find yourself bored and you just happen to do something out of boredom. He says, this disconnects you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he said, death, it disconnects you from the dunya. A person only dies once. When they die, they leave this dunya. Right? And this is why he said, wasting time is worse. Because you have, connected yourself, you have disconnected yourself from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when a person dies, they begin their journey of returning back to Allah azawajal. And so it's important for us to realize, again, like as we remind ourselves, constantly remind yourself that don't waste any time that you have. This month of Ramadan, the fact that it has flown by eight days already, just shows how quick this time will go and how fast it will continue to go. Ayyaman ma'adudat. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to it in the Quran, just a set number of days. This 30 days is going to fly by as every other month, as every other week, as every other day flies by. This month of Ramadan is also going to fly by. And before we know it, next week and the week after that and the final week, we're just going to be talking about how we can continue the good habits we built in this month of Ramadan. Hassan al-Basri he also said something very interesting when he spoke about the importance of time and he said He said that the life, this life is like three days and he explained it and he explained these three different days and he said that the first day is gone which was yesterday the first day is gone you can't change anything that had happened 
whatever happened yesterday happened. If you committed a sin, you ask for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you for that sin. You repent for that sin. If you did something good, it's on your record. You did good. But what happened happened. That day is gone. And he said the next day, another day is tomorrow. A day in which you have no control over. A day in which you are not even guaranteed. The, before when we spoke about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the keys, the knowledge of the unseen How Allah has the knowledge and the keys to the unseen from those items And from that knowledge that Allah only has is where a person will pass away What a person will earn tomorrow, these are things we don't know We don't know if we're going to be able to wake up tomorrow for Fajr If we're going to be able to complete our ninth day of fasting Only a person who is a fool would be able to say that confidently I'm going to do this tomorrow without saying inshallah Without realizing that tomorrow is not guaranteed Without realizing that the only thing that we're guaranteed in this life Is death itself And then he said that the third day is the day that you have today The only day that you have control over And realize that this is the day that you must make the most out of And so realize that and understand that in this night that we are in This eighth night of Ramadan This ninth night of Ramadan This eighth day that we finished Completed a fasting this day is the day that we have, must take advantage of, the, day that, the night that we must make the most out of. And so, just as a reminder, we started off in this way as a motivation for us to always remember that every single time that we have, or every single time that we come together, we make the most out of it. We don't let it go to waste. Because, as we mentioned, when we come to these types of gatherings, or when we see people we know, it's very easy, whether it's you know, before the halaqah, after the halaqah, we spend time talking about things that, to be quite honest, are useless, that provide us no benefit. We start talking about what happened, in, uh, you know, what happened in the news today, what happened in basketball, what happened here and there. You know, things that we, we generally we speak about, you know, it's not causing anyone harm. But specifically in the month of Ramadan, there are things that we should try our best to avoid that type of idle speech. Or especially when it comes to the type of speech where it leads to speaking about others who may not even be present. Where it leads to backbiting, where it leads to cursing, where it leads to conversations and discussions that are not beneficial. And so we should always remind ourselves of this. And remind ourselves that the time that we have, the youth that we have, is from the things that the Prophet ﷺ, he told and advised us to take advantage of. The famous hadith that we know, the Prophet ﷺ, in which he told us to take advantage of five before five. What are they? What are the five things the Prophet ﷺ told us to take advantage of before something else? Uh, there's one, it's life before death. Okay, your life before your death. What else? This, was, this is one of the last ones, yeah. Your health before you become, before you fall sick. What else? Muhib, go ahead. Your youth before you reach your old age. Your free time before you become busy. And one more. Your wealth. Did we say that one or no? No. You said health. Okay. Your wealth before you become poor. And so this is from you know the the name, the, the, the virtues and the blessings of the Prophet Sallallahu He told us these things and they still apply today. This is from the things that they don't change. That there are two blessings in which most people, the majority of people, they take for granted. Good health, and free time. And look at all of us in here, Alhamdulillah, I'm sure all of us, we have this blessing. That we're able to come here, we have this free time in the night, right, on a weekend, and we have this blessing of good health. You know, SubhanAllah, it reminds me, there's uh, one brother told me, there's a brother in our community, I'm sure many of us may know him, uh, Ammar Waqar. Yeah. Huh? Yes, man. What? Uh, 
Oh, okay. Subhanallah. His, uh, um, they were requesting du'as because his mother, uh, I believe, had cancer and it was spreading throughout the body. And they had initially told uh, her that she only had a couple of days to live. And so, of course, we made du'a that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted shifa and kamila. And uh, subhanAllah, I just got a text that she just got discharged from the hospital. And she's doing a lot better. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to continue and to increase her in good health, to grant salvage to that family. We all, we all know this is not something that's easy. But from the blessings of Ramadan, from the blessings of dua, the dua being answered, which subhanAllah, just this text just shows you the power of dua, right? And, subhanAllah, it just came to my mind as you were speaking about taking advantage of your health before you, before you fall sick. And subhanAllah, when I heard yesterday that, you know, cancer spreading throughout the body, you know, she has a couple of days to live, and subhanAllah, one day later, discharged from the hospital. How else, who else can write that? Who else can decree that? Other than Allah Azza wa right? And so this is from, you know, the month, this is the month, this time, right, in which we should take advantage of these opportunities that we have before us. This month of Ramadan, as we started in the beginning, every single night of this month of Ramadan is an opportunity for us to attain the mercy, the forgiveness, to, to attain being free from the hellfire. What more could you ask? These, these, these hadith are so powerful that your, your previous sins will be forgiven. What more could you ask? So subhanAllah, this is just something, an example, it's not scripted or anything, subhanAllah, that it just shows us how we need to take advantage of these things that we have, that all of us, I'm sure, alhamdulillah, we are blessed with. And this, this blessing of time, this blessing of good health, is something that, you know, we know about. Various places throughout the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He swears by time. What are some of the instances throughout the Qur'an in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, swears by time? What asr, what else? What fajr, what else? What else? Wallayl, subhanAllah. So you see, there's a lot of places throughout the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is swearing by time in different instances in time. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by something in the Quran, what does that mean? We discussed this before. What does it mean when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by something in the Quran? It takes an oath. Wal-asr, wal-fajr. What does it mean? It shows what? It shows that thing is what? It's important. Are we allowed to swear by those things? Can I, can I swear by the time? No. Right? So this shows us how important it is. And the various places throughout the Quran, what fajr from the morning time, what duha, the, the, the dawn, the, the dusk time, and what layl, the night time, what asr, all these different times throughout the day, even what asr. We look at just this short surah that many times we're just reciting in our salah, right? We're trying to just get through our salah, the irony of trying to quick, quickly finish our salah while also reciting a, a surah that is reminding us of how little time we have, wal asr. And the scholars, they tell us that this wal asr, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by wal asr here, has two meanings. One of which is that Allah azza wa is swearing by general time, the time that He has given all of us. Every single one of us, we have been blessed with time. Many of us, we have been given, we have been favored over others in terms of different blessings. Wallahu fadlala ba'dakum ala ba'dun fil rizq. For example, Allah Azza wa Jalla, He says, we have favored some of you over others in terms of risk, in terms of your provision, in terms of your wealth, in terms of what you may earn, right? There's this difference in levels in terms of some of the favors of Allah Azza wa Jalla, right? Some of us, we may feel that we have more, that Allah, has, Allah Azza wa Jalla has given us more in this dunya. But time itself is a commodity, is something that we all have been given the same 24 hours in a day. We all have been given the same 60 minutes an hour, the same 60 seconds in a minute. Every single person, there's no discrimination when it comes to time. Every single person is receiving the same amount of time. So subhanAllah, it goes to show, and as Hassan al-Basri, he also said, Ya Ibn Adam, inna ma'anta iyam. That, O oh, son of Adam, you are nothing but days. You are made of days. 
If a part of you, if a day goes by, if a day passes by, then a part of you has left you. A part of your body has also gone by. This is time. When time leaves, it's the most valuable commodity that you have. When time, when, when you lose money, when you lose wealth, when you lose clothes, when you lose something, you can always get it back. But when you lose time, you can never gain it back. No matter what you do, you can never go back in time. You can never get, get the time that you have, you will never earn that time back. And so, as we were saying, this time when Asr, this was the first saying of the scholars that they say that, you can, that Allah is swearing by the general time. And the second is that Allah is swearing by the time of Asr. The time of Asr, like Asr prayer. The time where the, the, the daylight is running out. Like when we say in Arabic, Asir, juice. Or Asr, Asr, that when, Allah, when, we, when you are squeezing something, when you're trying to make juice, and you're like squeezing a fruit to get the juice out of that fruit. This is how time is being squeezed out of our hands. Right? And so this is important for us to understand. Even Asr time, think about it. Think about how beautiful this, this oath by Allah Azza wa Jalla is. The shortest period in the day. Think about how short it is between Asr and Maghrib. You pray Asr and there's like 45 minutes before you know it. You're, pre you're preparing yourself for iftar. You're sitting at the dinner table. You're getting ready to break your fast. Maybe an hour or so. Right? And this is also from the times in which Allah Azza wa Jalla told us to pay special attention to, to safeguard. Safeguard your salawat, your prayers. And especially the middle prayer. What's the middle prayer out of the five prayers? Asr salah. Right? So it goes to show the importance of this time. So obviously this, again, various other places throughout the Quran, where Fajr, the importance of Fajr, right? Where Layn, right? All of these different places throughout the Quran. The, the point that we're trying to get at this time that we have is... Uh, Granted by Allah Azza wa Jalla is, is a blessing and a mercy that we should uh, not fall into amongst those who are Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. When He continues, Inna al-insan and if He khusr those mankind indeed is in loss. Illa ladina amanu amil salihat except for those who believe amil salihat they 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 do righteous deeds, which again shows that you must come with belief first. You must come with iman first before you come with your good deeds. But tawassal bil haq they enjoin upon others. They advise others about the truth. They enjoin upon others and they encourage and advise others patience and that which is right. And so subhanAllah, this is just the, from amongst the ways in which we wanted to start to discussing the topic by reminding ourselves the importance and the blessing that we have of time and how we should be uh, taking advantage of this time. And subhanAllah, one more point on this surah, surah al-Asr. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he said that if nothing was revealed to the Ummah of the Prophet or to the people except this surah, then it will be enough for them. If we, subhanAllah, just discussed Surah Al-Asr today and understood some lessons from it, and understood and kept talking about the value of time that we have, then this would be suffice. This would suffice. We would understand our purpose. We would understand how little time we have and how we need to do every single thing that we can do in our power, in our, in, in our, in our capacity to return back to Allah in the best state, in the state of taqwa that we have been all trying to attain this month of Ramadan. So coming towards taqwa, this, this state of taqwa that we hear about in the month of Ramadan. Before we even talk about taqwa, someone tell me what is the, the purpose of Ramadan or the purpose of fasting in Ramadan? This ayah that we hear all the time, let's say somebody is asking you what's the purpose of fasting, a non-Muslim, a colleague, someone that you know, they're not familiar with the religion, they're asking you what's the purpose of fasting, well, how would you respond? What is what would you say? To attain taqwa. To attain taqwa. Consciousness of Allah. Consciousness of Allah. What else? How else do we commonly translate taqwa? Anyone else? Any other definitions? In the back? Righteousness. What else? 
Fear. Fear. Fear of Allah. This is one that we hear a lot of times. Taqwa linguistically comes from a word to mean that means to protect. To protect. And in this case, i.e., it means that a person should be protecting themselves from the wrath and the anger of Allah Azza wa Jal by obeying. By obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To protect yourself from the wrath and the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by obeying and following the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To protect yourself. We'll talk about some of the definitions of taqwa, okay? Just if, if you miss a note, just save it for the end. We'll, get, we'll cover it at the end, okay? And so this is from the definitions that Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, he, was all, he also gave in which when he was asked by a person, what is taqwa? What does it mean? And notice how we say taqwa, we're, not, we're trying not to translate it directly into fear of Allah, to righteousness, to God consciousness, because it has, inshallah we're going to go through a couple of different definitions and meanings of what taqwa means. And so a man asked Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, what is taqwa? And he, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu responded to the question. And he said, have you ever walked upon a path in which there are thorns? You know, in which there is some danger. And so the man responded in the affirmative. He said, yes. And so the man, uh, Abu Hurairah he asked the man again. He said, what did you do when you walked on that man? When you walked on that path? And the man, he responded. And he said, that, this, that I, for example, I lifted up my thobe. I walked on that path. I was careful of where I was walking. So that I made sure I was not stepping on an area where there was danger. I was not stepping on a thorn so that I would not hurt myself. And so he said that this is the definition of taqwa. To protect yourself from sin. Those thorns that you are protecting yourself from when you are walking are sins. And so to protect yourself from sin through the journey of life. And try to go through this journey of life without having any sins. Being conscious of Allah, having taqwa means one of the definitions is to move about in life. To go about in life. Trying to avoid sins. Now, another definition of taqwa that we have all heard and we've discussed multiple times in our halaqat is the definition of Ali radiallahu anhu in which he defined taqwa. Anyone know it? Ali radiallahu anhu said taqwa is four things. What are they? Anyone know one of them? Ali radiallahu anhu he said taqwa is al khawf min al jaleel, fearing Allah subhanahu wa taala, wal amal bil tanzil and acting upon the revelation, acting upon the Qur'an, that's our revelation that has been given us. Being content with very little, with very few. And preparing for your journey, for your day, in which you will return back to Allah Again, four things. Ali radiallahu anhu said, taqwa is four things. Fear of Allah Right, this is, again, one of the brothers, he defined taqwa as fear. This is how we often we hear it. Right? Or, or, or you will believe fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. As, he, as it is his right to be feared. This is the definition that we hear of taqwa. Fear of Allah. So this is one of the definitions that Ali was giving. Taqwa is al-khawf min al-jaleel. Fear of Allah azawajal. Wal-amal bil-tanzeel. And acting upon the revelation. I.e. the Qur'an. Wal-ridha bil-qaleel. Being content with very few. With very little. Which especially this month of Ramadan. When we say if we're fasting for the sake of Ramadan, when we're, when we're fasting for the sake of taqwa, for attaining taqwa, you know, many people, often when we, you know, we hear this definition or, you know, this explanation of why we, you know, fast in Ramadan, which is why I posed the question. Many people, they say, oh, it's because, you know, we, we want to feel what the hungry feel. We want to feel what the needy and the poor feel around the world. Now, of course, this may be one of the virtues and the effects that we attain and that we feel by fasting throughout this month of Ramadan. But is that the sole purpose? No, of course not. 
do, do the people around the world, when they are breaking their fast, do they have a three-course meal in front of them? Do they have a fridge they can go to any time? Do they have something? Do they have a suhoop? You know, subhanAllah, there was, you know, it's a picture going around where, subhanAllah, there was a question, you know, from, posed to one of the shuyukh. And the question was, the question that came in, came in from Somalia. And wallahi, the question should break our hearts, just hearing the question. And they asked the question and they said that, you know, Sheikh, if we don't have anything for suhoor or iftar, will our fast still count? If I don't take suhoor, right, and we know having suhoor is barakah, is blessing, as the Prophet told us. So they asked me this question, if I don't have anything for suhoor, and I don't have anything to break my fast with, right, is my fast going to count? SubhanAllah, the Sheikh, he just broke down crying. How can you answer that question? So there are people, right, the, the hunger and the thirst that we go through for 13, 14 hours a day for one month, right, for one calendar month, the people, they're going through their entire lives. Mal, you know, they're malnourished. They don't have any food. They don't have any water. And so this should remind us, as Ali is, is telling us, that you are content with very little. And, this, and, and, and honestly, the, these people that you see, sometimes not even all around the world, sometimes in our own neighborhoods, in our own streets, in our own areas, in our own localities, in our own communities, they, they don't have much. They don't have anything. But you find them to be amongst the most grateful people, subhanAllah. Whatever little they have, they owe it and they give it and they, they, they credit it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever they have. But unfortunately, sometimes we find ourselves being so proud and arrogant that whatever we have, we say that this is from what I attain my own self. And this is a quality of arrogance and a quality that people that who had this quality, Allah Azza wa Jalla, He speaks down on them in the Quran. When he speaks about Qarun And when Allah talks about how the treasures of Qarun were so much But he became arrogant He said that this is from my own self And look what happened to him as a result We caused him and his, his palace, his treasures and everything to sink And he became a sign for all of us Not to be like Qarun So this was the third definition of Ali That you are content with very few You are content with little and lastly, that you are preparing taqwa, the last part of taqwa is that you are preparing for the day, for the time in which you return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another definition of taqwa. In the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullaha haqqa tuqati. O you who believe, O you who have iman, fear Allah as much as He deserves to be feared or as He has the right to be feared. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, who was amongst the greatest scholars of tafsir, if not the greatest, he commented on this ayah and he said that taqwa is a few things. First and foremost, that Allah Azza wa Jal, that taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that he be obeyed and not disobeyed. That Allah Azza wa Jal be obeyed and not disobeyed. And that he, Allah Azza wa Jal, be thanked and not shown in gratitude. And that he, Allah Azza wa Jal, be remembered and not forget, forgotten. So one more time. This is the definition of Ibn, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He said taqwa of Allah Azza wa Jal is that he be obeyed and not disobeyed. That he be thanked and not shown in gratitude. And that he be remembered and not forgotten. Someone repeat it back to me. What's the first one? That he be obeyed and not disobeyed. Then? That he be thanked and not shown in gratitude or ungratefulness. What else? And the last one? That he be? Remembered and not forgotten. Remembered and not forgotten. 
Okay, and the definition that Ali radiallahu anhu said, taqwa is four things. What are those four things? What's the first one? Just say it out loud. Fear of Allah. What else? Acting upon revelation. What else? Being content with very little, with few. What else? Preparing for the return back to Allah. And we also discussed the definition that taqwa is like you are making your way through a path that is thorny. You would lift your thobe. You would try to walk on that path to avoid any thorns, to avoid anything that would cause you harm in the same manner in which you would go through life, this journey of life, trying to avoid any sin, trying to return back to Allah unscathed and untouched by sin. So who are those who have taqwa? And we'll bring just one verse or one uh, small section from the Quran in which Allah speaks about those who have taqwa in which he says in Surah Ali Imran, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَعِدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ That rush, race, run towards the forgiveness and mercy of Allah Azzawajal وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ And a garden, a jannah that is wide as the heavens and the earth وَعِدَّتْ That has been prepared for المتقين, for those who have taqwa And then Allah Azzawajal goes on to, to describe those who have taqwa and just a few of those qualities that we can inshallah take from take away and implement into our own lives inshallah those who when they commit or sorry those who when they give in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they give and they spend in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in two cases when they are in adversity when they don't have much you know imagine you don't have much in your account and somebody is encouraging you donate give for the sake of Allah donate to the masjid there's poor people, there's needy people who need food, who need iftar around the world, donate. Sometimes you're really hesitant. But this is a quality of taqwa, that you realize that there are people who have less than you, who are less fortunate than you, who have not been given the favors that Allah has blessed you with. So you give when you are in a state of adversity, when you don't have much to give in the first place. And you give in a state in which you have been blessed by Allah. You don't become arrogant and proud that what I have earned, what I have, is because due to my own self. I outsmarted myself. I, I, I outsmarted everyone else. I climbed this ladder. I was able to get this salary to attain this much money and, and, and all of these different favors that we see nowadays, that people nowadays, they like to show off, they like to boast about and credit it only to their own selves. This is everywhere. This is everywhere where you look. It's, it's just a mentality. It's, it's a mentality encouraged by our society that you, everything you do, you're, you are self-made. You're, you're doing it your own self, right? From, and, and, and just many various references that we can go to, but it just goes to show that uh, how often you know a person they don't credit things back to Allah so this is one one of the qualities of the people who have taqwa is that they give in times of adversity and in times of prosperity those who restrain their anger and especially when we're fasting it's very easy for us to become angry right to lash out on somebody somebody you know maybe we've maybe we recognize and we know that we have short temper you know, that is something that we struggle with. You know, as a man once came to the Prophet and he told the Prophet he said, Ya Rasulullah, advise me. Give me some advice. And the Prophet he told him, he said, La He said, don't get angry. That's all. He said, this was your advice. So the man, he's, you know, wants some more. He said, this is it. Give me some more advice. You know, he said, and the Prophet he repeated his phrase, La He said, give me something more. You know, Prophet he said, La And this man, while he's asking the Prophet what do you think happens? He becomes angry. So this advice that the Prophet is giving him, don't become angry, is specific to this person. Don't become angry. Right? And so, uh, by extension, of course, it applies to us 
sometimes we find ourselves, you know, if we tell someone not to do something and they do it. We already said, you know, not to do it and they're still doing it, right? Whether it's our siblings, whether it's, you know, one of our boys, one of our close friends, whatever the case is, right? It's very easy for people to test our patience sometimes. But this is from those people who have taqwa, who have this righteousness, who have this fear, this God consciousness, that they restrain this anger. And subhanAllah, as one of our asatis was telling us, that this is from the doors of Jannah, for those people who have, who restrain their anger, that they restrain their anger, they, will, they have a special door that they will enter Jannah by. And those who forgive others, those who forgive people. And subhanAllah, even in this blessed month of Ramadan, how more relevant can this be? Where we enter this month, and we, you know, we may feel that we have wronged others or others have wronged us, you know, but subhanAllah, take this month, take this advantage that you have, take this time that you have as an opportunity to forgive others, even if you are in the right. Even if you know that this person, they took your rights from you. Right, don't hold a grudge. You don't know when you're going to pass away. You don't know when that person is going to pass away. So this is from amongst their qualities. Allah loves those who excel, who do good. And those who when they commit, a fahisha, such an evil act, an indecency, a wrongdoing. They wrong themselves, they commit a sin. What do they do? They remember Allah. And they seek forgiveness from, for their sins. And as we see countless places throughout the Quran, Allah asks us this rhetorical question, who other than Allah can forgive your sins? No one. No one other than Allah can forgive your sins. And so this ayah, these two ayahs were just an example of those qualities that some of the people of taqwa come with. So, so far we've discussed, first and foremost, the blessing and the advantage of time that we have, not to misuse it, not to let it go to waste. We talked about some of the definitions of taqwa, and we reviewed this all one more time at the end, inshallah. We talked about some of the qualities of those who have taqwa, as brought to us in the verse in Surah Ali Imran, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to us about the qualities of taqwa. Now, inshallah, some of the benefits of taqwa. What are the benefits of taqwa? Inshallah ta'ala will go through a short list of some of the benefits of taqwa and we will make our way towards closing, inshallah ta'ala. First and foremost, as Allah Azza wa tells us in the Quran, وَإِن تَصْبِرُوا وَتَتَّقُوا لَا يَضُرُّكُمْ كَيْدُكُمْ شَيْئًا That from the first and among many benefits of taqwa is that first and foremost, is that your enemies or no one will be able to cause you any harm. As Allah tells us in the Quran, if you remain patient and you endure patiently, and you have taqwa, you practice taqwa, your enemies, no one can, they, no one can practice harm upon you. So having taqwa is a means of protection. This is from the first of benefits, that no one, and specifically enemies, and, and no one else can harm you can cause you any evil, can cause you any wrong that they may have this intention of doing. Second benefit, as Allah Azza wa Jalla tells us in the Quran, Ya ladina amanu taqullah, all you who believe, be God conscious, have taqwa of Allah Azza wa Jalla, wa qulu qawlan sadeeda, yuslih lakum a'malakum wa yaghfir lakum zunubakum, wa man yuti'illaha wa rasoolahu faqad faza fawzan azima. The second benefit of having taqwa is forgiveness, of your deeds, of your evil deeds, of your sins, of your bad deeds, and rectification of your affairs, rectification of your good deeds. Allah will rectify your good deeds, those good deeds that you do and you, you fall short. Like for example, your salah, and you know, you, you know that you didn't have any attentiveness in your salah, you just 
when you know you went through the motions of your salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will rectify your good deeds. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will, will complete, will rectify your good deeds and erase your bad deeds, will forgive your bad deeds. Third benefit of taqwa, Allah Azza wa Jal, you will gain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Tarawih tonight we recited two verses, both ending in the same, Inna Allah yuhibbul muttaqeen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who have taqwa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are the people of taqwa. And again, filling in all those definitions in which we talked about. When we hear the word taqwa, think about those definitions in which we talked about earlier. And remember this verse in the Quran, Surah Tawbah, or part of the verse, the ending of the verse, Inna Allah yuhibbul muttaqeen. Indeed, Allah loves those who are amongst those who have taqwa, who, are, who, who uh, fear Allah, who are God conscious. And so this was the third benefit. Fourth, it is a manner and a means of gaining the nobility, to be noble in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, Inna akramakum indallahi The most honorable, the most, no, the most noble amongst you are the ones, are those who have taqwa, who are God conscious, who have this fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And think about this, this English word that we translated to, right, no, noble. Think about even Kareem, when we, when we talk about Qur'an, right, every single Mus'haf that we look at, on the, on the front it says Al-Qur'an, Kareem. It's noble Mus'haf. And, and from the most blessed ways and the virtuous ways of even calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Dhul Jalali wal Ikram, right, calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using this attribute of, of nobility. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that the most noble amongst you, amongst man, amongst, uh, amongst mankind, are those who have taqwa, who are God conscious, who are fearing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was the fourth. We'll do seven inshallah. Fifth is that people of taqwa, a person who has taqwa, they will have glad tidings in this world and in the afterlife. As Allah azza wa jalla tells us in Surah Yunus, from the verses that I believe we also recited in the end of Taraweeh tonight, that indeed the friends, the allies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no fear upon them, they will never grieve, they will never be saddened. Who are those people? Those who they have iman, they believe, and they remain persistent. They used to exercise, they used to have and maintain taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For those people will be glad tidings in Hayat dunya in this life, and in the afterlife, and in the hereafter. So this was the fifth benefit of taqwa, is that a person, they will have glad tidings in this world, and in the afterlife. The sixth benefit of taqwa is the protection and safety from the hellfire. In which, as again we mentioned in the beginning, every single night we have in this month of Ramadan is a means of attaining that protection and being saved from the hellfire. So this is the sixth benefit, to be saved from the hellfires. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, And notice here, all we're doing when we're coming up with these benefits of taqwa, it's not what always said, it's not what this person said, no. It's from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us. It's all ayats of the Quran. And we will give escape, we will give safety to those who have taqwa, and the oppressors, we will abandon them, we will leave them. And so this is from the blessings of taqwa, that a person, they will be saved from the hellfire. The last and perhaps even the most powerful benefit of taqwa 
As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Talaq, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا Whosoever has taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create for them an escape, and a way out. And sometimes this is all we need. You know, we feel so overburdened, we feel so overwhelmed, and we feel so weighed down by life and all these obligations and everything, and we're just looking for this way out, this return for our... For our way, uh, for a way for our affairs to be eased, for our hearts to become at rest, right? And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us. Whosoever is conscious of Allah, has taqwa of Allah, yaj'allahu makhraja, that person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them escape and safety. And including as part of this benefit, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for them from ways in which they could have never imagined. Remember this. One of the benefits, and from the most powerful benefits of, of taqwa, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for you from ways you cannot have imagined. This is something I'm sure many of us, we are all thinking of. Right, we're thinking about, you know, maybe we're looking for our jobs, we're looking for our internship. Right, we hear this all the time. This is the talk amongst all of us, subhanAllah. Right, we're, we're thinking about how we can, you know, get more money. You know, uh, I'm in the red today, I'm trying to, you know, get more t tomorrow. You're thinking about ways, right? But when you're conscious of Allah, when you put taqwa, when you put Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first, he tells us, this is the promise of Allah He will provide for you from ways in which you cannot even imagine. And SubhanAllah, related to this ayah, there's a beautiful story. As we know in the Quran, there are many, every ayah, not every ayah, but there are many ayat in which there is clear reasons for why this ayah or this surah was revealed. Right? We know a story of why this ayah was revealed or why this surah came down because of a specific incident in the seerah. And it goes back to last week, remember we were talking about the importance of studying seerah and the importance of studying the life of the Prophet Because when you study the life of the Prophet you also, you learn the Qur'an in context. Why, when, when, why, why did this happen in the seerah and what ayah did it cause for you? Like subhanAllah today, again, we go back to Taraweeh, so, so many of the brothers were here, right, for Taraweeh. And we want to, when we recite something or when we listen to something, we want to benefit from that. And we're hearing from the verses in Surah Tawbah. Right, of, 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 and, and from the verses in, in the past two nights, Al-A'raf and Anfal, you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about, speaking about the instances in which the believers, you know, they're preparing themselves for the battle of Badr, you know, speaking about the munafiq, speaking about all these instances that are happening, right, in the life, in the seerah of the Prophet right, and, and you can make context out of that by understanding this ayah. So this story, one of these scholars, he says, that from this ayah, or one of the reasons in which this ayah was revealed was the story of this man, this Sahabi radiallahu anhu, his name was Awf ibn Malik. His name was Awf ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. And he was a man, he was in great poverty. He didn't have anything at all. And so a time happened in which uh, he had one son. And his son, subhanAllah, there was a caravan of, you know, a large group of polytheists, of disbelievers, and they kidnapped his son. They took his son. So this man, right, his only son, right, so imagine this person's state, he doesn't have much in the first place, he's, he's poor, he's in a state of poverty, and he loses his son, right, probably the most beloved thing to him in this world, okay, and he goes to the Prophet and he's in this state of distress, and he's so distraught, and he says, Ya Rasulullah, tell us what should we do, me and my wife, what should we do? And the Prophet right, from his beautiful speech, in such small words, he was able to say so much, that you know, he told him that have fear, have taqwa, fear Allah, and be patient. And one of the scholars he adds, you know, he says that the Prophet added to say, La hawla wa la illa billah. That there is no strength or power to do good or to avoid evil, to avoid bad good deeds, 
or to do good deeds or to avoid evil deeds except with the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this person, this Sahabi, Awf ibn Malik, he went on to do that. And subhanAllah, this statement itself, when do we repeat this statement? When? After what? During the what? When we hear the? Adhan. After what statement? Hayya salah and? You're being told to run, to rush, to come towards prayer, to come towards success. And this statement that you repeat, there is no strength or power to come towards good or to leave off evil, except with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This shows you that even coming towards salah, it's not something you're doing on your own. It's from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you. This only comes changing this hal, this state, comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But subhanAllah, anyways, back to the story. And so this person, you know, they remained patient. The point, of, the point of the story is that they remained patient and they had taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what ended up happening is that the kidnappers, this caravan, they ended up leaving the boy somewhere. The group of them, the group of the caravan, they went out somewhere. The men of the caravan, they went out somewhere and they left, you know, their belongings and they, they, they trusted, they thought it's a small boy, a young child, what is he going to do, right? Where is he going to go? So they left his child, they left all their belongings as well. Their herd, they said that they had a herd of you know, sheep with them. And so this boy, from how smart he was, he not only did he find his way back to his father and his parents, but he was so smart that the herd of sheep that the caravan had, he led them back to his parents. And they say that it was 4,000 sheep. So now think about it, where we started in the story. This person, this Sahabi, he had nothing, right? He was poor and he lost his son. And what did he do? He had taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he remained patient. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused him to re- to, for his son to return back to him. And look at this ayah that we're talking about. Allah will provide for you in ways you could not have imagined. 4,000 sheep. Can you imagine what that was for this, for this, for this person? For him to receive that in, in that form, in, in, in a way, in a manner in which he could not have wrote, in a manner in which he could not have imagined. So this is from you know, one of the stories that remind us of this, this beautiful ayah of the benefits of having taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as we come towards the end, inshallah, just to review, let's go over some of the, the benefits of taqwa. We went over seven. Uh, just say them out loud. Let's get a couple of them, inshallah. What's one of the benefits of taqwa? Who remembers? Rectifying your good deeds and forgiveness of your sins. What else? Your enemies cannot cause you harm. What else? Love of Allah. Inna Allah yuhibbul muttaqeen. You gain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What else? Safety from hellfire. Thumma nunajjil ladina attaqaw. Wa nadharu al-dhalimina fiha jithiyya. What else? That's four. Let's try to finish. We've got three more. Yes? Glad tidings. Ala inna awliya Allahi la khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahsanun. Alladheen amanu wa kanu yattaqoon. Huh? Love from Allah. We said that one. Let's do two more. A, great, a way out and part of this ayah what else? Provision. provision from ways you can never imagine and last one that the most noble amongst you are those who have taqwa <coughs> we'll come towards that then if I okay? I'll follow up with you so <coughs> from the powerful narrations of the Prophet he said a hadith and he said this advice that is contained in this hadith to two separate companions. One was Abu Dhar and the other one was Mu'ad ibn Jabal. And two separate instances, and Imam Tirmidhi he compiled 
this hadith or these advices and he said that this was advice given to both of these companions in which the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said he said, and remember when we hear the name of the Prophet we should say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet said, Fear Allah wherever you are. Fear Allah wherever you may be. And do good deeds after doing bad ones. They will erase, they will, the former will, write out, they will wipe out, will erase the latter. Meaning when you do good deeds, they, will out, they wipe out your bad deeds. As we know from the ayah in the Quran, in al-hasanat, yudhibna sayyat. When you do good deeds, they erase, they remove your evil deeds. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ, he added as his advice and he said, behave decently towards the people. He said, be of good conduct, of excellent manners. Right? Towards the people. And Imam Tirmidhi, he said that the Prophet ﷺ, in this hadith, he compiled the two most important things in the life of a believer. The two most important things in the life of the believer, he said, the relationship, first and foremost, the relationship with Allah, and secondly, the relationship with the people. He said, in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he combined both of these things. The relationship with Allah, meaning fear Allah wherever you may be, wherever you are. Wherever you are, have this definition of taqwa, this God consciousness, this fear of Allah being righteous, to all the definitions that we talked about. And he combined being good to others, being of excellent manners, being of excellent conduct, of excellent character towards the people. And subhanAllah, as we close, you know, this, this hadith is, is a reminder to us, uh, subhanAllah, of how we should be remind, having this quality of taqwa as we continue to make our way through this month of Ramadan, every single state that we find ourselves in. Every single moment of time that we have, remind yourself that I want this moment to be a moment in which I am amongst the muttaqeen. Amongst those who have taqwa. And that every single place that you may find yourself in, right? And, and, and the examples are many. And there's one example that was brought to me that I'm going to give inshallah ta'ala. And uh, the, the point is, anywhere you may find yourself, and this goes back to what we mentioned in the beginning. In the beginning we had mentioned that from these signs of good deeds, <coughs> is that a person, or from the signs of an accepted fast, is that a person, after they complete their fasting, that they are able to, do more. They are able to do more good deeds. As we mentioned in the beginning, those who are guided by Allah Allah will increase them in guidance. And He will give them their righteousness, their taqwa, that they have earned, that they are looking for, that they are seeking, that they desire from Allah And so we mentioned that, you know, from one of the ways is that when we, you know, finish our fast, Alhamdulillah, we come to Taraweeh, you know, we come to these halaqas, we come to Tahajjud, we, you know, we spend time in the masjid, we spend time reciting Quran, but there are also times or instances in which perhaps we find ourselves, we completed our fast, but after we break our fast, we don't have that taqwa. We find ourselves, we're spending the rest of our evening on social media. We break our fast, right, or we finish our taraweeh and we go home and we spend the rest of the evening on Netflix or watching YouTube or things that may not benefit us. And that is not from the qualities of taqwa. That is not the qualities, and sometimes we find ourselves doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Doing things that we should not be doing even outside, even outside the month of Ramadan. And so, knowing that taqwa, being God conscious, being fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only limited to the 14 hours, the 13 hours in which you are fasting, no. It is a matter and something that we should be striving ourselves to do every single day. 
every single moment that we are breathing, that we are living, that we are alive, be in the state of taqwa. As the Prophet ﷺ said, fear Allah, have taqwa of Allah wherever you may be. And nowadays, subhanAllah, even you may not be, it doesn't matter where you are physically, you have an online presence. Being God conscious, having taqwa online of what you consume, of what you put out there online, of what you tweet, of what you post. This is what differentiates us from others, from the people who are not participating in Ramadan, who have not been given this gift of this blessing, this, this blessed month of Ramadan. They will never know what taqwa is, of what it means to, be know, to know and understand that you are fearing someone who you cannot see. You're fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes we see people, they act in a manner in which, you know, especially disbelievers in which they act in a manner when they, they feel that nobody is watching them. You know, they're doing something where they feel that nobody is watching them. You know, subhanAllah, like, and just examples, and I'll mention a couple of examples, inshallah, that was just brought to me. And uh, especially during this month of Ramadan, it's important that we reflect upon these examples, right? And, and they're not meant to, inshallah, to be directed to any one person at all. Or any, or any, but rather we're, what we want to do is, is focus on the act and how the act sometimes takes us away from taqwa. For example, the act of cheating, right? Act of cheating, if, I, if I'm cheating on an exam, right? And subhanAllah, uh, to be honest, this is something I'm sure many of us, you know, we find ourselves in these types of, there are many examples, but this is just, even if we don't find ourselves in this specific one, this is from the examples that many times we find ourselves in, you know? When a person, when they are cheating, right, when they're, you know, cheating on an exam, when they're doing something, they're doing so with the assumption that my professor, my teacher is not watching me. I'm able to do so. Yo, my exam is not on lockdown. I'm good. You know, I can open up Quizlet. I have another browser. I put in my HDMI. Right? We think of every other workaround that we can do so that we succeed in our task, thinking that we are not being watched by anyone, but know that the qualities of a believer is that we know we are watch being watched by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wherever we may be. Wherever we are From the qualities, subhanAllah, this is an example It's a little specific, but I'll, I'll bring it You know, because many of the brothers here, subhanAllah uh, For example, after Taraweeh, we, many of the brothers When I say many of the brothers, it's like half the masjid here We go to the gym, right? And um, in the gym, subhanAllah uh, Specifically this gym, there's no workers at night, right? There's like one worker maybe, right? And so it's very easy for us to do what? To just walk in, right? To walk in, to, to sneak into the gym and you know, you get your lift and may Allah increase the brothers in strength, right? And uh, in, in spiritual strength, in physical strength, make us amongst those who are, use our strength to turn closer to Allah I think you all know where I'm going with this anyways, right? So the, the point that I'm trying to get at sometimes, you know, you know, we're sneaking into the gym, you know, we feel that, oh no, I'm good, nobody saw me, I scanned it twice, I scanned the barcode twice, I did this, I did that. And again, this was the example that was brought to me, which is why I bring it up, you know? This is something, well, like my brothers, you know, don't do that. You know, the membership is what, like five bucks, ten, ten dollars a month? You know, if anyone needs a sponsorship, you, should, you see Brother Rafiullah, okay? But um, the office will manage, but don't do that, especially in the month of Ramadan. Okay, and, and if somebody thinks it's okay, or like the example, for example, of like a water cup, right? When we take a water cup, and, and again, some examples, it may apply to all of us, some we may not, you know, it's kind of, maybe we're free from this. Maybe I go, you know, the work, the work is not seeing me, the work is said it's okay, whatever, right? It's the principle. Nobody is watching me. This idea, right? And, and again, it applies everywhere to sometimes even, and these are, to be honest, you know, they, these are still things that we should be conscious of, but they are lighter in terms of other sins that people, they find themselves doing. You know, where, where, where you may find yourself online, or you may find yourself, it's only you, you know? And you, and you think, oh, it's, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're alone in the house or whatever, right? And, and we're just being real here, and you say, oh, nobody's watching. But this is, 
basic principle of Iman, of, of knowing who Allah Azza wa Jalla is, that He is watching you. And so this is from the, you know, the examples and, and the manners in which, a practical way in which we can you know, attain taqwa. By imprinting you know, in ourselves that wherever we are, Allah is watching us. You know, and, and subhanAllah, I mentioned this thing about like the five, ten dollars. You know, I, I was mentioning with some of the brothers yesterday, we were in the car, and uh, we'll, we'll finish inshallah in just a minute. Um, you know, there's a story, I'm sure many of us, we've seen this story on YouTube, uh, by Sheikh Muhammad Hublos, and he, he was mentioning the story of this imam, it's a true story. He was mentioning the story of this imam in, in the UK, who subhanAllah, he, uh, you know, he, he was an imam, and the way he used to get to the masjid was he would take the, you know, public transportation, he would take like the bus. Right? So every day, you know, from his house to the masjid, he would take the bus. He didn't have a car. He would take the bus. And, uh, you know, he's an imam of the masjid. So he goes, you know, in his tov, in his imama, in his kufi, right? He's visibly someone who is Muslim. And subhanAllah, this is another point. By the way, in this month of Ramadan, especially when sometimes we're out late at night when we're with the brothers, when we talked about this hadith, fear Allah wherever you may be and, be, and be amongst those who are excellent character to others, know that you are representing Islam, whether you like it or not, through your name, through your appearance, through your actions through your dress, you are representing Islam. So be mindful and be conscious of those things. Right? Not, and, and, and many times people, they will accept Islam based on you, even whether you ask with that obligation or that responsibility, that burden or not. So that's related to the story. So th this Imam, he used to take the, you know, the bus to uh, the masjid. So he says he, one day he gets on the bus and he knows, notices it's a different bus driver. You know, he takes the same route, so it's the same bus driver every time. And he noticed one day it's a different bus driver. And so, you know, he pays his fare, he gets his change from the bus driver, and he goes and sits in the back in his, you know, normal seat. And as he's sitting and he's going, he's on the way to the, you know, masjid, he notices that the bus driver gave him extra uh, 20 cents, okay? Or a small number, I don't know the exact number, something very, very, very small. Right, think about it like, you know, five, 10 cents, whatever, like, a, like an extra quarter. This happens to us sometimes, maybe if we pay in cash at the grocery store or whatever, or we find money on the floor, or whatever, we may find ourselves sometimes, you know, it's, it's just 10 cents, it's just 25 cents, whatever. So this imam, he found himself, you know, in this dilemma, where he's asking himself, okay, what should I do, it's 20 cents, I mean, you know, it's not gonna harm me, should I give it back? He, the whole ride, he says that I'm thinking about what I should do with this 20 cents. So he says, until I get to my stop at the masjid, I'm about to get off the bus stop. He says, even as I'm waking, making my way down the aisle, about to step off the bus, I'm still thinking, I'm so conflicted, what should I do? with these 20 cents. And he says, something just gets into me. And I turn to the bus driver and I'm like, yo, listen man, you gave me 20 extra cents. And the bus driver, he said, no, I, I didn't give it to you on accident. He said, I gave it to you intentionally. I gave you 20 extra cents intentionally. So the imam is a little confused. He's like, you know, why? Why would you give me 20 extra cents? And the man, the bus driver, remember this is new. He's a new bus driver, just that one day. And he says, I've been look, looking into Islam for three years. And he saw that when I noticed when you got on this bus, by the way you were dressed, by your appearance, I knew you were someone who was Muslim, who was an Imam, who had you know, these qualities that we speak about, that we hear about in Muslims, you know, God consciousness, they fear Allah, you know, they worship Allah, you know, so he said that today, I was gonna make my decision. He said, if you return the 20 cents back to me, I was gonna accept Islam. And if you took it with you, he said, that's it. He said, I would know that you guys are not, you no different than the rest of the people. And so SubhanAllah, this Imam, when he's saying this story, he said, look, he said, I almost sold my deen, I almost gave away my religion for 20 cents. I almost gave away what it means to be a Muslim. The, I, this is what separates us from others. This is what separates us from people who don't have Iman, who don't have the concept of, of, of knowing that Allah Azza wa is watching them. There are people who are awake at this hour, one, at 1 a.m. on a Saturday night, 
doing the most evil things that you can imagine, subhanAllah. Maybe even down the streets, right? But subhanAllah, this is what differentiates us between them. We realize that we are trying to attain the mercy, the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in an effort to do so, we are trying to be amongst those who have taqwa. And so as we close, you know, this is, well, first and foremost, I advise myself before anyone else. I'm speaking to myself. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's not directed towards anyone, right? But as they say, the shoe fits. But subhanAllah, I advise myself and all of us, right, that in this month of Ramadan, eight days have already gone by. The time that we have, Allah is very precious. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. We spoke about the virtues, the merits, and the importance of time in the beginning. And realize, number one, first and foremost, make the most out of your time. Be amongst those who try and, and attain and strive to have these qualities of taqwa, who understand what the benefits of having taqwa are, and be amongst those who fear Allah wherever you are. Whether you are online, whether you are in person, after taraweeh, wherever you find yourself. It's very easy, right? We find ourselves in groups, right? And often we go you know, somewhere, we do something, whatever. It's easy for us to you know, lead and have discussions that are not related to anything beneficial. So I close with this, you know, be amongst those, follow the words, the advice of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to uh, be amongst those who uh, are, are God-fearing, are God-conscious, who have taqwa. Try to use this word, taqwa. Now that you know what it means, you understood some of the definitions of taqwa, it means more than just fear of Allah. It means more than just righteousness. It means more than just consciousness of Allah. And so be amongst those who have taqwa anywhere, everywhere that you may find yourself, not only in one month, in the month of Ramadan, outside the month of Ramadan, and throughout your life. We ask Allah to make us amongst the muttaqeen. We ask Allah to increase us in knowledge. We ask Allah to allow us to act upon what we hear. We ask Allah to make us from the people of Quran. We ask Allah to make us amongst those who are fasting merely more than just fasting of food and drink. We ask Allah to allow us to fast from vain talk, from idle speech, from foul language, to allow us to be amongst those who this month of Ramadan remove their bad habits, to be amongst those who this month of Ramadan we instill and we develop and we make good habits that will stick with us outside the month of Ramadan. Um, before all the brothers get up, inshallah, if we have just a couple minutes, um, you know, as we speak about time, if anyone has to go, inshallah, they, they can go. Um, but we have to head you that at 3 o'clock, inshallah, and, and maybe the brothers will. Uh, we have Sahur here as well, and if the brothers want to do something before then, inshallah, we can. But just as another way of benefiting, inshallah, just for a couple minutes, um, unless anyone has questions or anything or wants to discuss anything that was discussed, let's, I want to just take a couple of minutes, right, to. Um, get a couple of hands to discuss. You know, when we speak about this blessing of time, right, that we were discussing, what are some of the things that you're doing this month of Ramadan? And, and most of everyone here, you know, you guys have busy schedules, right? You're college students, or you're working, or you're doing this, you're doing that. What are some of the things that you're doing this month of Ramadan that, will, that you have seen so far already in these eight days, or that you're trying to continue doing, that will allow you to be amongst those who are amongst the productive ones this month of Ramadan? That is, allow you to have a productive, Day in Ramadan, not letting your time go to waste, as we explained. Anyone? You can share and make the intention that when you share it, that when you share whatever you're about to share, that if someone else acts upon it and understands it, that you will also get the good deeds of doing so. Like as we did last week, you know, we were asking everyone, what's the one, one thing you're trying to work on this month of Ramadan? You know, and the brothers were giving their, their tips, you know, trying to spend more time with family, trying to, uh, you know, recite more Quran, trying to come to the masjid more frequently. And imagine every single person who takes that piece of advice that you give, 
and they try to implement that into their own daily routine and their own daily schedule, think about how many good deeds you're going to get back. Rauf, go ahead. Prophet he gave like, uh, he, gave like uh, he said that the, uh, the productive ones are usually the mo in the morning. Ah. A lot of production, productivity happens in the morning. And Allah blesses the people who work in the morning. Allah. And so, um, well, I, I'm, I'm a caffeine, I'm a caffeine addict, you know? So during uh, Ramadan, like... Be careful with the word addict, No, no, it's <laughs> like, like, no, like, no. So what I do is, in Sohar, I drink like a lot of coffee. And that like, you know, pushes me for like six hours, seven hours. Uh -huh. SubhanAllah, so the brother mentioned, may Allah bless him, um, that you know the Prophet mentioned that the barakah of this ummah has been placed in the morning time. Right? And, and, and if you have stayed up after Fajr, and you try to do something after Fajr, even if you weren't in the consistent habit of doing so, you understand and you realize that it's, best to, it's the best time to do anything. You want to go to the gym, you want to knock out something before work, knock out something before school starts, before you got class, right? you want to memorize some Quran, you want to read some books, right? this is the best time to do it in the morning, in the, after Fajr. So this from you know one of the most productive things that we can do. The rest of these, even if you're tired, and most of us are gonna stay up all night, right? Fajr is what, like six o'clock, five forty-five, depending on where you pray. First of all, pray in the masjid. Everyone here, you should be praying fajr in the masjid. Don't miss your salah, don't miss your fajr salah in the masjid. Pray your fajr in the masjid. Okay, we talked about the reward of doing so last week. But um, wherever your locality, whatever community you are in, pray fajr in the masjid. And after you do so, spend some time. Do something productive, something that you've been trying to do and you realize in the eight days of this Ramadan that have flown by, I haven't been able to do it. If you're behind on your khatam of Qur'an, that you're trying to read the entire Qur'an, make time. And, and, and you will see yourself, this is, don't, it's not my words or someone else's words. First of all, it's the words of the Prophet But you will see yourself how this time has become blessed. You're able to do so much more than, than, than you could do in any other time. Where, first of all, just think about it, no one else is awake. Who else is awake at that time? Nobody's going to be texting you. Right, nobody. Else, your phone is not going to be buzzing. It's not going to be popping. Right, there's nothing. Your distractions are already eliminated as is. So that's just one of the practical ways in which you're going to be able to be more productive. Let's do a couple more, inshallah. What else? What are some? What are some of the things that brothers are doing to try to be more productive this Ramadan? We want to be practical here. Subhanallah. Yeah. So the brother mentioned the uh, the goal of trying to. You know, finish Khatmul Quran, reciting the entire Quran in 30 days. 30 juz, 30 days. And you know, if you just do easy math, 30 juz, 30 days, one juz a day. You know, and, and there's many ways of you to do that. Some people they do 10 pages in the morning, 10 pages in the evening, you know, five pages after every salah, right? But sometimes the five pages after every salah, it gets a little difficult. Like after Isha, you know, we're already in the masjid, you may not have time to do five pages, right? Or after Duhur, maybe you're at school, or you got work, you may not have five, time to do five pages. But the point is, you know, make the schedule. Your goal is one just a day, two just a day, three just a day, even better, right? Whatever your goal is, right? Depending on your level, depending on your experience, your ability to recite the Quran, go based off of that, right? Um, so this is from the best things that a person can do to become productive, make a schedule of how much Quran they plan to recite every single day, even if it's just one page a day. If, you, if you're not making a schedule of when you're gonna do that, you're not gonna do it, you know? And, and many of us, we may find ourselves in that state. We're already, maybe some of us, if we haven't started that khatam of Quran, if you haven't started connecting and reading the Quran this month, Regardless of your level, just start. And, and, and if we connect this week, just start after Fajr. What, what else, you know, why, why, why are you holding yourself back? Why are you telling yourself that, no, I'm, it's too difficult for me? There's no, there's no reason for you to do so. What else? Let's do a couple more, inshallah. What are the brothers doing to be productive this Ramadan? We'll do a hard stop at um, 1.15, three minutes.
trying to make that specific breeze yeah. Yes, yeah, the mentioned sometimes in a situation we often we find ourselves in. Um, you know, when Ramadan was in the summer, like July, August, it was different. Everyone was on like summer break, right? No one had any obligations. You know, you're up all night. Next morning, you're sleeping until like 2, 3 a.m. or 2, 3 p.m. Obviously, nowadays, you know, many of the brothers, they got school, they got work. And weekdays, especially, you find yourself being very busy. You know, you don't have the same time that you would have on, you know, like a day like today. Like, we couldn't do this halakha on a Monday night or Tuesday night, right? But um, the brother mentioned that. Try to block out time, specifically on the weekends. If you know you're going to be busy, you know, Monday through Wednesday. I got a lot of meetings at work. Oh, I got an exam Wednesday. Find time Thursday. Find time Friday. Find time Sunday. Where you have extended amounts of time. And use those times, those periods of time for good. All right, let's do one more. Timmy? Um, there's something I found short in, but... Try to make your, all, all of us have iPhones, so shelves our screen time. Try to make your phone on time equal to that screen time or more. SubhanAllah. Yeah. The brother mentioned um, our screen time, you know, which we alluded to in the beginning. This is, uh, like, this is one of the things that can, no matter how good your fasts are, how much Quran you're reading, how much dua you're making this Ramadan, if that's one of the things, our device is one of those things, unfortunately, it can put all that stuff to waste, right? Because a lot of the things that we do on our devices, it just you know, erases a lot of the bad that we do by in, in virtue of like, um, you know, us not taking advantage of the time that we have. So the brother mentioned specifically the example of screen time. You know, sometimes we find ourselves, you know, looking at an amount, an absurd, you know, amount of hours, looking at our phones or, you know, even aside from our phones, our laptops, devices, tablets, whatever it may be. And we find ourselves, you know, uh, maybe on social media and, you know, streaming devices, whatever it may be. But the point is the brother mentioned use that time that you're going to be on your device, you know, set a reminder, try to recite Quran, try to learn from the ayat of Quran, and uh, make use of that time. Anyone else? Uh, I try to pray at least three salawat in the masjid. Try to pray at least three salawat in the masjid, subhanAllah. Then we talked about Fajr and Isha, right? The reward, remember, if, if, if you pray those two, it's as if you prayed the entire night in salah. And most of us, were already pray in Isha, right? Just Fajr is easy, you're already up at that time. And so this also goes to show, by the way, if you can do this in the month of Ramadan, you can do it outside the month of Ramadan. But start, start by, if, if, if it's hard for you, just start with one. Go for your Isha. If you, that's easy, you're already in the habit, go for Fajr, boom. And then go for a third one, if you have time, especially on the weekends. We talked about, when we were talking about Asr, Hafidhu ala salawat, guard, safeguard the prayers, was salawatul wusta. And especially the middle prayer, if you have time in the middle of the day, go for Asr. So this is from just the, you know, we took like five hands, we took five practical ways in which we can make the use of our time, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst those who use their time in benefits, who do not let any time go to waste.